Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. George P. is a mostly well 91-year-old male in your practice. He has been self-quarantined for the last few weeks, and outside of getting a little bored without sports to watch, he is well. His nephew suggested he start taking vitamin D to prevent COVID-19, and he asks you if you think this might help. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today to discuss coronavirus infections and the role vitamin D may play in preventing them is Dr. Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in in Family Medicine at the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester and Executive Editor at Dynamed. Good morning, Alan. Good morning, Frank. So, Frank, this is a topic that I think is getting a lot of play in the news. What's the data that's known about vitamin D status in viral infections in general? Okay, so let's, yeah, like you say, let's just talk a bit about vitamin D and and viral infections, not necessarily COVID. We've had, uh, for the last three years, systematic review level data showing um, that vitamin D supplementation lowers the risk of upper respiratory tract infections. We also know that it lowers the severity of asthma exacerbations, and so most asthma exacerbations seem to be tied to viral infections. It seems like there's possibly a role that vitamin D supplementation helps um, decrease uh, the, either the severity of viral infections or may even decrease the infections themselves. These studies do not show, they don't prove, that vitamin D supplementation lowers the risk of infection and death. It's just an observed correlation. It's still pretty interesting, though, and when you think about the fact that uh, coronaviruses in general are one cause of the common cold, um, yeah, it could make you think, does it have a role to play here? Is, is there any data that shows that uh, vitamin D status, 25-hydroxy vitamin D status, influences COVID-19 infection rates or we actually, severity? We actually do have some data that shows um, retrospectively um, what's happened with patients who've had severe COVID-19 infections and their vitamin D status, their 25-hydroxy vitamin D serum levels. And what we found is a negative correlation between their mean levels of serum vitamin D and the number of COVID cases, meaning that the lower the average serum level of the population, the higher risk of infection. We also know that the lower serum level also correlates with a higher mortality risk, and that patients who have higher levels correlating with over what we 34 nanograms per milliliter, it actually lowers the risk of infection and mortality. Um, the one strong correlation in the study was that most of the most of the data came out of Europe and that the population hit hardest in Italy and Spain was the aging population that often has low serum levels of vitamin D. So it does appear that there's a correlation between low levels and severity and even mortality, and that higher levels are somewhat protective. Very interesting. You know, uh, we here in Massachusetts during the winter months uh, are 
known to be chronically vitamin D deficient. Uh, does this study prove you can prevent COVID infection by taking vitamin D? No, uh, we, we know a number of things about vitamin D, but th this study doesn't prove it. What we know is that vitamin D enhances our body's immune response when it's challenged um, and may even prevent the cytokine storm that we know correlates with the severe outcomes of COVID-19 infection. So a quick reminder, um, we, have, we have two types of immune um, immunities. We have an innate immunity, which is our first line of defense, and our adaptive immune response, which is how we act to when we're exposed to something uh, that could be considered foreign. So our innate immunity, our first defense, are things like our skin and the epithelial and mucosal linings of our respiratory and GI tracts. They're the physical barriers that prevent infections from getting in. We also know that macrophages on the cellular level play a large role. They recognize um, viral or bacterial uh, components and um, help set up a response to them. Uh, the innate immune system is required to be functioning properly to activate the adaptive immune system. The adaptive immune response is mediated by the immune cells, um, by lymphocytes in particular. And we remember there's B and T lymphocytes. B cells secrete antibodies that bind to specific pathogens. Um, and and they, they help sort of aggregate or identify those abnormal things in our system. Um, B cells come, uh, become memory cells, and so they remember these abnormal things and potentially make um, antibodies to attract the, attack them should they be exposed again in the future. Um, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on how our, innate, uh, how our immunity system functions, but recognize that there's excellent data that shows um, vitamin D supplementation alters our innate immunity, that, that, that first line of defense, and enhances it, and that it lessens the response of our, uh, of our um, uh, adaptive immunity. It decreases the risk of things like cytokine storms. So I think there's reasonable data to say that vitamin D adequately in your serum can help improve your body's immune uh, response to any viral infection, and there's pretty good data that shows it probably has an influence on coronavirus as well. Very interesting stuff, Frank. So how do we counsel people who are worried about contracting uh, COVID-19 uh, or just or how do we counsel people who come in asking about whether they should be taking vitamin D or not? Well, I, I, um, a number of years ago, and especially when I saw the data on asthma, I began telling many of my patients that I thought vitamin D supplementation was a good idea. And, and there's good guidelines that say only test 25-hydroxy vitamin D levels in patients who are at high risk for deficiency. Otherwise, people can safely take two, 3,000 international units a day uh, for a variety of health benefits. But probably the most prominent that we're talking about now are, one, the prevention of viral infections and very possibly uh, the adverse effects of COVID-19 infection. And, two, any patient with asthma as it decreases the risk of both 
having an exacerbation and decreases the risk of a severe exacerbation. So I recommend patients take at least 2,000 international units a day. There is almost no chance that's going to hurt anyone, even patients with history of uh, kidney stones. And it, it's just a safe thing to do. And I take vitamin D all year round, as I recommend all healthcare providers do. We're exposed to so many infections in the world in primary care. So I, I just go ahead and do that myself, and I recommend it for all. In fact, some European countries recommend that people who are at a severe risk for influenza, uh, especially in, in the southern hemisphere, that they take 10,000 international units of vitamin D for the few weeks prior to the influenza season, uh, and then follow it by 5,000 a day. Now, there's no data that shows that that's effective, but I think it's probably been found to be very effective, and, and, and there is some observational data that shows it likely decreases some degree of influenza infection. So the way I counsel patients is uh, everyone wants something to do. And there are only a few things we know that really help decrease the severity of this infection. And some of those things are not in your control, like underlying illness like COPD or type 2 diabetes, some things you can't quickly fix like obesity. Um, but here is something you can do. And so I recommend everyone take 2,000 a day at a minimum. That'll get your serum level over time over that 30 to 30 to 35 nanograms uh, per deciliter. Uh, and, and overall, just take it all year long. Even if you work outside all the time, this is unlikely to hurt you and very likely to be beneficial. Whereas other things that have been suggested or even patients asking for hydroxychloroquine, we know that those things can hurt you and even cause death. So um, this is an easy thing to do and something we should all be recommending. That sounds great, Frank. I think it's worth remembering that, uh, particularly as patients get older, their ability to absorb uh, or to benefit from sun exposure to create vitamin D in the skin diminishes over time. And so, uh, yeah, I think supplementation is particularly helpful in uh, populations that don't get exposed to sunlight or in older populations where that conversion uh, may be less efficient. I know uh, I take vitamin D as well. Uh, I have celiac disease, and so I have trouble with the intestinal absorption, and so I need to supplement in order to get adequate levels myself. So, yes, I think maybe we're not the least biased people in the world, but I agree with you. I do counsel people to uh, supplement with vitamin D. Again, we're up here in Massachusetts where a large time uh, throughout the year there is inadequate sun exposure. Alan, this is great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Frank. Join us next time when we talk about the latest and best evidence on hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.